Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today, and this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. On-campus students at Indiana Bible College have the opportunity to study in three major areas, biblical studies, missiology, and worship studies. If you or someone you know is interested in any one of these three areas, we encourage you to check out www.indianabiblecollege.org. On the website, you can find answers to all of your most frequently asked questions. But if the answer is not there, fill out the form in the Contact Us section, and we will be happy to get the answer for you. Enjoy today's Indiana Bible College podcast. How good it is to know the Lord, to be in God's house. God's people. And none of us in this room know exactly the ways that God will direct our lives. It doesn't matter what level you are in life in terms of your status or your job, or it doesn't really have very much to do with your age, whether you're young or older or old. Some of us are older and some of us, uh, Brother Rodenbush, are old, but we don't admit it. But God has a way. I want to speak to you today. Thank you. And you may be seated. And thank you for the nice uh, introduction, Brother Rodenbush. It's good to have you home. We've just been waiting and waiting for those two weeks. We were all jealous. Wish we could have been with you at the big celebration. And thank you for your work, Uh, not just in one spot, but several spots across Africa. And it was a wonderful thing that they uh, recognized your work. And then I want to say... In a formal way, thanks to all the students that have come, and uh, I've had a chance to greet at least some of you, not all of you, but we are so glad for the new students and those who are coming back, and we know that God has a very special uh, uh, anointing for all of us that will trust Him. So thank you for being part of Indiana Bible College, and, and uh, also thank you for placing your life in the hands of the Almighty God to surrender the call, surrendering to the call of God in your life is the single most valuable and important thing that you can do. And none of us really know exactly, once we step into the purpose of God for our life and the calling of God into our life, we never really know for sure what God is going to do in our life. But I can promise you this, He will bless you beyond what you can even imagine if you will put Him first in your life. And if you will stay focused on the cause you will be surprised at the amazing things God will do in your life. The Word of God delivered is being delivered is an important moment, and the 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 activity that is involved in bringing the bread of life, the Word of God, from one of us to another one of us is available. It really works only if the anointing and power of God helps us. It's not really an intellectual or an academic exercise. It is a, it is a uh, supernatural element delivering uh, the Word of God because the Word of God changes lives. And it can afflict the heart and change the destiny of human beings. Just a sermon can make a difference in people's lives. And most of you in this room are going to be involved in some kind of ministry. And what a privilege it is that God has called you. And I pray that God will use you in music and speaking of the word, preaching, leadership. Let's bow our heads and pray together right now that God will just uh, anoint uh, us and in the few minutes that we have here to bring something that will uh, that you can hold on to. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, in your name, we ask you to come near us right now and meet with us. Help us, Lord, that we need to do your will and your purpose in our life through the preaching of the word. We need you, God. You are never present help, and we thank you for that. Watch over us, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I want you to go, if you have a Bible, to Deuteronomy chapter 4, and um, we'll look, look at verse number 29. And uh, I, uh, let me say to you, as, as it uh, respect to preaching, be a New Testament preacher. But don't forget that the principles, the ideas, and uh, if we can use the word ideas, principles, and doctrine, 
and an understanding of God's uh, of God's interest in us and God's love for us is established first in the Old Testament. But take the Old Testament very carefully and make sure that you preach uh, you preach it in a way that it is uh, applicable to those of us who are living in the modern world and who are living under the influence of the New Testament work of Jesus Christ. So always, when you go to the Old Testament, make sure you're making, making the right links to the truth. And I want to try to do that today, going way back to a moment in time when the people of God were struggling to keep their steps in the right direction and their thinking in the right in the right for the right cause. So look at Deuteronomy chapter four, and we're going to draw a lesson from these travelers, these people that had escaped from the uh, tyranny of the Philistines and the Egyptians and all the others that had come against them, and they are finding their way to God's will. That's what all of us are doing. Can I get a witness on that? So for the sake of time, I I want you to go down to verse number 29. The warning is, prior to that, if you read the chapter, and hopefully you'll, you'll go back when you get time and just glance through some of the things that are stated here in chapter uh, number, what did I say it was, four, chapter four and chapter three and, and, and even into chapter five. Because what was actually happening was a, a, a common element of humanity. They, they forgot who God was. That seems hard to imagine. These people that had been delivered and guided by the powerful anointing of, of Moses and, and all of those that were, were uh, charged by the power of God to speak to the people. And nevertheless, they kept getting lost in their world. Even though they were in a period of... of journeyment and they were trying to escape and they were trying to find this this promised land and uh, the only possible way they could have made it would have been supernaturally by God and they when we see them here in Deuteronomy chapter 4 we already see that these and can pinpoint the many times that they had been miraculously delivered Things had happened in their lives already that demonstrated that God was with them and God had taken them out of the oppression and was leading them on the way to the promised land. But the scripture in this particular uh, time says, but you, you have forgotten. If you look at verse 21, the Lord was angry. Uh... God is trying to get them focused on what they need to do. And their affection toward the world, the affection toward the gods that they saw. And they began uh, to be tempted to serve the gods that were made from stone, gods made by men's hands, made of wood, verse 28, and stone. They couldn't see, nor they, nor could they eat. They couldn't smell. They were just rocks, and yet they worshipped the rocks. They were distracted. Now, just leave that little little word uh, in your mind. They were distracted because I, w- I I want to just try to put that into your heart. We're Bible school, we're not just here this year, or hopefully we've never been here gathered together over these years, just trying to have academics or to have school or to have fellowship and to enjoy uh, our friendship and being together. That's all a wonderful thing. It's a marvelous thing. And, of course, it is part of what we all enjoy and share together. But at the end of the day, we are here to discover God's purpose in our lives. We've got to keep 
we got to keep focused on what God wants us to do. Uh, I don't know, uh, 25, 26 years ago, I doubt any of us older folks, so to speak, could really ascertain or to describe where you are after being here for however many years. How many years have we been Bible college? 30 years. So 30 years of work. And yet I doubt, Brother Sleva, that we would have 30 years ago really understood how much more complex the world would become in 30 years. That we would have a certain kind of reconstruction of culture and we would have serious attacks in every level, at every level of our culture, attacks against morality and righteousness and so forth. Probably 30 years ago, even though there were many prophetic writings by people, secular people, even people of other faiths, and certainly many apostolics were warning that we were headed toward a day in which men were forsaking the Lord and Christianity was in decline. Today we don't have to think about it very much because it is so obvious that we are in a very dire situation. And we're faced with a generation that has been your generation and the generation that you're going to have to minister to over the next few decades as the Lord tarries. Your generation has gone a complete direction uh, that is contrary to the power and the anointing that comes from the living God. It is a same kind of spirit that we're looking at here in this Old Testament text. They had forgotten God. They had, they had the historical idea that God had delivered them. They knew that there was a God. But they began to get fascinated with these gods of stone, the gods of the heathen, so to speak. These gods that could not speak and could not smell and could not eat and these gods that were just the fabrication of people's fantasy. And they fell in love with the relationships that they could build by partnering with people that worshipped idols. And here comes the prophet trying to say, we need to awaken our consciousness. There's much to read in these few chapters here. We need to get on the right side. We need to get in the right attitude and the right spirit. And you have never seen any of those gods really do anything because they're all dead gods. There's no real God. There's only one God, one Lord, and one faith, and one baptism. And we've got to stay focused on that. That's going to be your challenge. Your challenge is very similar if I... I don't want to overstate this, but we are seeing a casting out of things that are fundamental to the understanding of Christianity. Things that have been taught to us by the apostles and given to us through the word and the, the message that Jesus himself delivered to this world. He came to this world to seek and to save them that were lost. That redeemer, that savior is somehow being shoved aside for our own opinions, our own ideas, our own thinking. And worse, we set him aside often because we want to be more fashionable and we want to be in touch with the world and we want to be like the world and we want somehow to maybe engage the world to the degree that we begin to look like them and think like them and settle in around the hopes that we might imagine develop if we just trusted in the chariots and the horses and the mistakes of leadership and we began to think that all we need is just to be whatever we want to be and we can make friends with all of these people because their gods are pretty good gods too but God brings a message I should spend more time talking about it, but let's go to the point. Wherever you go, verse 28, and there ye shall serve gods 
you're, you're going to be tempted. You're going to get to the place where you serve gods of wood and stone, which neither see or hear nor eat or smell. But if you do get in this place, and here's my point. Here is God speaking to the hearts of confused men. Here is God speaking to people that are going into a very dangerous moment in time. They have been, uh, they have been, uh, I think I could say this accurately, they have been intoxicated by what they see around them that looks religious enough, that looks workable enough. The ceremonies of the gods, the blessings of the gods, the heathens that have convinced them that their gods are the true gods. Now, this all sounds kind of quaint for us. We've grown up in church. We, we can kind of deal with this stuff without thinking of it too seriously. But it's pretty serious, actually. It's serious in this sense. Not that you're, I doubt anyone is being tempted in this room to drag a literal image or some kind of god of stone or you're probably not thinking about going to any temples and worshiping gods and imagery and that sort of thing. We're probably, probably no one's there. Let's hope not. If so, you're in the wrong school. I don't think that's happening. But what happens is that we begin to think that, well, just maybe if we give some kind of compromise and we figure out a way to say, a way to make sense out of it all and say, well, you may not see it the way we see it, but we respect you and we want to be friends and you believe one thing and we believe another thing. Do you know kind of where I'm going here? But God speaks now and he says, when you get to that place, when you see the standards being lowered, when you get to that place where you see the doctrine becoming uh, weak and you see uh, uh, certain kinds of affections and ideas that are being developed and are coming into play, you, when you get there and you say, we're going to need some help now, when you get to a point where the wickedness is really wicked and when the dark is really dark, and when the, when the, when the sunshine and the, the light of God's word and the blessings, however we should put it, it just is it's dimmed. It's not, it doesn't get through. It doesn't get through clearly. And we're, we're going through that. God said, I want to tell you something. Because when you finally have had your affair with the gods, and finally when you have imagined that you can get along without let's put it now in Pentecostal terms, that you can get along without the apostolic doctrine. You, you, you can play around with certain ideas and thoughts to the degree that you begin to believe the lies. This is all in the Bible. Now you, you, you can just stay with me for a little while. And uh, somebody help me read there. Where am I at? Try to go find me the scripture down there a little bit. Brother Kilman, where it says, from thence. Uh, yeah, just hold it. You see it there? All right. What verse is that? 29. So, putting it now in a capsule. So much was the interaction between God's people, God's redeemers, the people of Moses, let's say. People that knew that they had at least to some degree they understand it, that they had a divine victory. They had a breakthrough in the sense that God had taken them out of slavery and had provided for them leadership and had given them an understanding of what was true. And those people who had that original education, so to speak, a spiritual type of education, a spiritual revelation, had now had now uh, been subjugated in a sense or had become, had become uh, uh, thoughtful of maybe what, how would things work out if we didn't seem to be so superstructured and we didn't have such 
such a, a narrow idea of just one God. Uh, a God, just one God. That's all we've got. And we've never really seen him. And we have no, we've never made any statues of him. And, and, and we, we don't have the same kind of sense of it all. And we just have to wait on him. And then we have leader, this leader that sometimes we don't really get along with very well. And, and we've got these promises that we can only get there by faith, by trusting in God. So there they were. And God could see this demise. And he said, here's what happens. When you get to the point where you discover that it doesn't work, whatever you put your trust in outside of Jehovah doesn't work. Someone wrote a song, without him I can do nothing. Without him I would but fail. Jesus to the New Testament Christians made it very clear. It is impossible for you, impossible for you to know exactly where you're going to go. Because you've got to wait till I give you an answer. You've got to depend upon the Spirit to guide you. Go to Jerusalem and tarry and wait for the anointing because you can't do this by yourself. You can't compromise with the gods of this world, the philosophies of this world, the religions of this world because there is no room for compromise because the only way you can make it from here to glory is through the help and direction and advice, shall we say, and the teaching, shall we say, of the great God Jehovah who manifested himself in flesh and anointed us with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and set on fire the souls of the apostles who went through the world preaching and turning this world upside down. But it was not through, it was not through imagery and it was not through, it was not through academics. It was not through money. It was not through human devices. It was not through human ideas. It didn't come through gods and statues and all kinds of pretense. Services were, and, and gatherings together, let's say, were all put into the hands of God. Gathered together in His name, waiting for the Spirit, waiting for the anointing, waiting for the breakthrough, waiting for the help that comes only from heaven, waiting on the Christ, waiting on the anointing, waiting on the Word, preaching under the anointing, singing under the anointing, waiting for the Spirit because there is no other way to really reach this world. These gods could never, ever satisfy the hunger of human flesh, the needs of the human soul. Only God can satisfy the soul. Only God can make a way. Here's your challenge. Here's your challenge. It's very similar. We have a very similar moment as they had in the wilderness. And their idea was that they could somehow coexist and compromise. I think you understand where I'm going here. We have the same spirit in this world today. We're not just a Bible school in some purely academic sense. We're also here to try to encourage every young person we can. So I warn you up front, we want to make an apostolic Pentecostal believer out of you like you've never been before. And we would like to help you in the class and like to help you in the prayer meeting and like to help you in the song service. We'd like to help you in all the ministry to just get a grip on God's unchanging hand and say, I know in whom I believe. I know in whom I believe and I am persuaded that he's able to keep us. We may be facing a world unlike anything we've ever seen before. A world with new gods and new technology and new ideas and new thinking. But there's only one way we can escape the darkness and the horror and the difficulties and the new things that are unfolding so fast. Nothing, nothing can make a way for us except the power and anointing of Jesus Christ. Do I have any Holy Ghost folks in this place? Do I have any Acts 2.38 believers in this place? So let me warn you up front. We're not going to take any trips into the woods to try to find gods of stone. We're going to stay in the prayer room and wait for the God that can touch us with the power of the Holy Ghost. We're not looking for a compromise with false religions and false ideas. 
We are not trying to figure out how to get along with the Catholics, and I mean this in a kind way, please. I probably shouldn't have said it that way. But we need, we need to get ourselves together with the Word of God. And we're not, we, we want to help other folks. doesn't matter. Whosoever will, let him come. But we know in whom we have believed. And we're not trying to find a middle ground. There is no middle ground. We're going to walk by faith and live by faith and keep on keeping on until the battle is over. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Now, it's possible, it's possible that we are going through a moment that nobody has ever really gone through before. I'm not going to waste too much time on this, but you know what I'm talking about. Technology is revolutionizing your generation. In the history of mankind, we have never come to a moment like this. The ability of wall-to-wall, person-to-person, an absolute full frontal of communication is now possible. It is happening. And the technology is becoming more intrusive and becoming more powerful and becoming more influential. I'm not here to talk about that, but we probably will talk about it, and all of these instructors will talk about it, and anybody that is really trying to figure things out is going to have to deal with technology. But something else we're going to have to deal with, not just technology and saying how we can use it for the glory of God. There is some of that. But your really extreme worry should be the misuse. The misuse. It wasn't that, the problem wasn't that they, there were God's, of stone all around them. It was that they were visiting the meetings. They were separating themselves from God because there was some kind of fascination. It's an interesting study when you think about the allure of gods and the allure of the rituals. The world can be like that if you're not careful. It can be like something drawing on you and pulling you in to false ideas and false thinking. But here we are. Here we are at a moment in time like no one has ever seen. I can remember hearing people talk about things that they knew was going to come to pass. It didn't make sense to me. But now we see it unfolding. And here you are, the generation. And to the degree that we can, those of us that are a little older than you will be trying as hard as we can to make sure that you do not visit the wrong places and think the wrong thoughts, but you will keep focused on what God has called you to do. How many of you have got the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues? Don't ever take that lightly and don't ever play around with it because it's nothing unless it's real. And it will take something from you in this generation, something from you that will be so very, very powerful, something from you that you will really need to know, and that is that only God can keep you alive spiritually. So God said this, read. But if from thence... Now, you're going to go into this world because it's, it's happening right in front of you and you're surrounded by these false nations. Is that right? But when you get there from thence, when you see, when you finally get the revelation of what has happened and how you're losing sons and daughters. When you get to the place where you begin to comprehend that this fellowship, this fellowship, we would say in modern times, this fellowship with the world has consequences. This distraction that comes at us and causes us to slip away from our commitment to Acts 2.38 and righteousness and holiness and morality. And we begin to think that we can have what we want, what pleases us and what makes us feel good and that somehow it all works out but it doesn't work out just through your flesh and through your thinking but here comes God speaking to these somewhat disoriented people shall we say am I still in the Bible pretty right all you scholars he says but when that begins to happen and you start understanding what is really what the drama really is, you're going to have to be prepared. If and from thence thou if, shalt seek the If Lord from thy thence, God. when you see something like this happening, thou maybe shalt. in a different context, but in this present world, when from that point, when you get to that point and you see 
and have that place where you can say, what do we do from here? So God says, from thence, from that point, when you're losing ground, here's what you must do. The thou answer shalt is, seek thou shalt seek what? The Lord thy the God. The Lord thy God. When you seek the Lord, you seek the word. He speaks the truth to us. He never lies to us. It's always the truth. Yeah. So seek the Lord and what? Thou shalt find him. And you shall find him. It's a simple little word from God's, from God's man to God's people. Even when the darkness comes, all you need to do is to do what? Seek, seek the Lord him. thy God. Seek thou him. Thou shalt seek him with all thy heart. With all thy heart. And with all thy soul. Put everything else aside. Seek the Lord with all your heart. Seek the Lord with all of your soul. And he will be there for you. He will come to the rescue. Do you realize the revival that we've been talking about could start happening right here at IBC? Start happening in your local church. Start happening all around the country. In Africa. Every, matter of fact, we already know this is happening. There is a moving of the presence of God. What God is trying to say, yeah, it is true. This massive kind of thing that's developing in the world, this breakdown of so-called structured Christianity or, uh, or, or, or all of that kind of thing, all of that, yes, it's all happening, and sometimes we're discouraged, but God said, all I want you to do is just get in that prayer meeting and put your hands in His hand and give your life to Him, and whatever you're facing, whatever you're up against, God can move you forward, and you can have the victory. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? Would you just clap your hands to the Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. How many want to go forward in Jesus' name? The next step is the future, and you can't take it back. The next step is that God will be with you on that step. Keep the faith. Keep the focus. Don't ever look back. Step out of unbelief. Step out of fear. Step out of doubt. Get away from rebellion. Surrender your life to God. Understand that you must live a moral life. Can I get a witness? Bible college is not the place to come and fail morally. Don't destroy your life by fornication. Don't destroy your life by false doctrine. Get get a hold of that unchanging hand. Whatever pressure you may feel, whatever anxiety you may feel, there's a God that says, if you'll just walk with me, I'll get you through this. I'll show you how to get through the darkness. I'll show you how to get through the advancing technology of our world. This generation has got to think about a problem. I'm not, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about what you have got to face. And, and some of us that have a little age are working with it at a different level, but you are the ones that's got to deal with the next generation of young people, and you've got to have a message for them. And the message is, if we'll walk with God, everything will be all right, and God will touch us. But you're going to have to put aside the pornography. You're going to have to put aside the immorality. You're going to have to get rid of the false influences, and you can't go up to the parties, and you've got to separate yourself from the world and the foolishness of the world. You got to have a love that goes deeper than basketball and baseball. You got to find a God that will touch you and keep you. And you've got to have a voice that's loud enough and strong enough and sure enough to preach to this generation. Somebody needs to say, There is a God. There is a Redeemer. Come and go with me to my Father's house. Come and go with me to the upper room. Come and walk with me hand in hand with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God will make a way. We have no, we have no intention to go up and see what the heathen are doing with their false gods and gods of stone because we already know in whom we have believed. And we already know that he's able to keep us. When you just look around and see your friends here, Remember, everyone, you may have some friends here that need some prayer, but don't compromise with them. You might have some friends here that are just a little bit mixed up, but don't compromise with them. And don't let them influence you. There's no need to go up in the mountain to false gods. They're not going to take you anywhere. It's not ever going to help you. It's not ever going to bail you out. Only God can satisfy, surrender. Songwriter said, I surrender all. And that's what really matters.
You can't really be at peace with this culture. You can't really be at peace with what's happening. You're going to have to face it. And you're going to have to deal with it. And to do that well, you're going to need help from God. An anointing from the Holy Ghost. And God says, when you get there and you see all of these elements, I'll be there with you. And I'll show you the way. And I'll help you. And I'll give you power. And you can face the darkness. And you can overcome. You can overcome. And God will be with you. And God will help you. I woke up early this morning thinking about some of you and what God was going to do in your life and how things were going to unfold for you. And I tried to imagine of the things that you would be dealing with in the next decade or so if the Lord should tarry. But if you would just say, God, however this works out, I find it interesting when Jesus had to go up and deal with uh, the big boy and he had to go and say, I'm going to go talk to that fox and I'm going to tell him that I'm not going to back down and I'm not going to fail to do what I've come to do. That was just a, a great thing. Luke, let's just get that. Luke chapter 13, verse 31 and 35. Here's what God would say to us as he said. Did I give you that 33, 31, and 35? Is that what I said? I'm not sure. I want to make sure we got the right verse here. So it's Luke 13, 13, 31, right in there. Let's just look at that. I'm about finished. You all the right? Same, the same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him. They said to him. Get thee out and depart hence. Go away. We don't, we don't want this apostolic For Herod story. will kill thee. Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them. And Jesus said to them. Go ye and tell that fox. This is the way I'd like to see all of our students talk. Behold, I cast out devils. If you got a smart aleck in the crowd, and you, we find all those smart alecks where we're going. Just say, let me tell you something, fox. We ain't afraid. And if some immoral Young man tries to think you're a fox. Say, I'm not your little foxy. I'm not here to play. I'm here to get a hold of an opportunity that the Holy Ghost, not, not IBC, but what the Holy Ghost can give me. And we're going we're, we're gonna to acknowledge that this world is complex and that there's some rough stuff coming down the pike. But we know that God is able to deliver us. And we're going to hold fast. And we're not going to play church. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just get apostolics to quit mimicking the charismatic movement? And you could write your own songs. That are full of gospel and doctrine. Oh, I need a little help. Now, see, that was so weak. I'm going to tell you. You may not, you may say, I'm through with Brother Mooney today. Well, that's all right. Go do your little dance, but it's going to take more than that. It takes more than talent. It's going to take an anointing. It takes righteousness. It takes faith in a God that has called us out of this world. And it's not about how theatrical we can be. It's not, it's not about how worldly we can be or how popular we can be. Somebody's got to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody's got to say, let's deal with this fox. Let's let Herod know we are not going to be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Somebody needs to speak. This world needs somebody to cry out against drugs. Somebody needs to cry out against unrighteousness. Somebody needs to cry out against false doctrine. Let God build a fire in your heart, an anointing in your heart. Somebody say yes. And I'll tell you what you can do. You can preach new sermons and new songs, sing new songs, and you can live in the anointing and power of God that he has prepared for you in this generation. By the way, the apostles went out not knowing where they were going. They had no way to know where they were going. And many of them suffered tremendous persecution, but they followed the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
And there are places where God has already prepared for some of you. There are mission fields waiting for you to get there. And if you will stay faithful, God will lead you. But you can't plan it all out by yourself. It's just not that easy. You need a God that can help you to face the realities, to see the big picture. And we cannot let the world set our agenda. Pentecostals cannot let the world set our agenda. Our agenda is an agenda of holiness and righteousness. That's what we believe. And that is what the Bible teaches clearly to us. Don't let anybody turn you around. What a mighty God we serve. And whatever you, whatever you are threatened with, be like Jesus. And he says, I can go deal with that fox right now. And you can deal with this world right now. He is near you, close to you. What a great God we serve. You need strength and you need anointing and you need courage. My dad's brother, young brother, he had a, my dad was born in 1899. He missed World War I, missed World War II. But his, one of his little brothers was in the Second World War in the early days when people were being slaughtered so many levels. So he called me, and uh, I went over to Dayton. He was living in Dayton with his grandchildren, with his own grandchildren. And uh, he, we went out to the restaurant, Frisch's Big Boy, I believe it was. And uh, he said, sit down. I had only talked to him two or three times in my life. I'd seen him in a couple, at a couple places, uh, family reunions. So... Uh, my dad's brother, my uncle, sat me down. He said, uh, and he put some pictures out. I wish I had them, but I don't have copies of them. And he said, uh, I drove for Patton. Patton, great general. He said, I drove a Jeep for Patton. And he said, we were trying to get up through France, and we were trying to stop the, the Germans. And there was a battalion of German soldiers. It wasn't a big outfit, but... Patton decided we would just, he said, Patton decided we would face them straight up. And uh, I was his driver. And in the little speech that he gave to the officers, he said, I'll be leading the charge. This is quite rare for, in open combat, for a general of, of great scope and power would actually lead a fight. Patton was that kind of person. And my uncle said, I want you to know this. I want you to hear this with my own mouth. And he was, had all the pictures. I said, well, that's great, Uncle. And so I sat and listened, he said. I got behind the wheel. And he said, uh, Patton got in. And we drove about 20 miles. He said, uh, we weren't going very fast because the armies, of course, were marching behind them. Some were in jeeps, some were in uh, different uh, outfits, tanks and so forth. So they, they got all together and we were, he said, we were nearing where we thought the Germans were. He said, the plan was we were going to wait for the Germans to show face. He said, we decided, Patton decided, that they would just go marching in. And he said, we're going to drive straight in, straight through. We're going to ride, drive right into the fire. And so Patton got an American flag out. And he uh, stood up in the Jeep. And he held onto a pole. And he said to my, my dad's brother, he said, all right, drive straight into the line of fire. And Patton drove straight in. My, my uncle drove straight in, drove him in. He stood, and there he was, driving Patton. And he was waving that flag, and he was yelling. And he said, when those men saw and those men saw the power and, and the, the bravery of Patton. That whole, that whole army began to move. American flags everywhere. And they marched and they marched and they marched and they came. And he was pointing at pictures and he was telling me places on pictures, of course, of the Jeep where it had been shot. The windows were shot out. And he said he had gotten a small wound on his hand and Patton had a small wound from shrapnel and other things that was pattering coming against his face but never did a bullet hit him 
And his commitment inspired the troops, and they pushed back the Germans, and it was one of the key wars of the key battles in the war. So when you get there, God is going to be there for you. There's something about a need in this generation, and the need is for courage and faith. We need apostles in this day who will get a hold of the word of God and take a stand and ride, ride on the Jeep and take your generation, lead your generation into the battle and say to them, we're not going to be compromised. We're going to preach this faith. We're going to live right. We're going to show our, uh, our commitment to this world that we have found something that the world cannot give us. We have found, can I get a witness here? Does anybody know you found something that has made you a different person? Stand, IBC stand. I, I may have preached too long. Hallelujah. When you get there, I'll be there for you. I'll make a way for you. I'll open up the way for you. All you have to do is take a position against the wickedness. And when you get there, God said, I'll be there. I'll be there to help you. And from thence, when you discover, when you see the problem, you've got to be able to identify your own generation. You've got to be able to identify the people in your generation that would drag you to a mountain somewhere and have you uh, offering up incense to a dead, a dead religion and a dead idea. But if you will stay apostolic, God is going to say, I'm with you now. And even though you see the danger and you see the problem, but when you get there, fence, everything's going to be all right because he always goes before us and makes a way. I feel in the Holy Spirit that I'm talking. Brother Rob, I'm talking to somebody. Brother Kilman, I'm talking to somebody that needs to just know that what you feel in your heart is the real deal. Would you raise your hands and sing this song with us now? Lift it up. Thank you for letting me talk to you. I hope I made a little sense. Church every hour.
Good news for all you listeners out there who would love to continue your education with Indiana Bible College, but simply can't make the trip to Indianapolis to do so. The Indiana Bible College Distance Learning Program is now accepting students who would like to continue their education, complete a degree, or just get an advanced certificate of studies. For more information on this and more about the Distance Learning Program, visit www.ibcdl.com.